Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Seems like every, I don't know, other day, some incredible world-changing piece of technology is revealed or introduced to all of us. You like me, you paid attention this last week to the reveal of the brand new iPhone 11 and the new iPad and the new Apple TV, uh, Apple Plus, and the new Apple Arcade. And all of these are touted to be world-changing technology that you can now have at your fingertips. I've already discussed with my wife how I can get a hold of one of these iPhone 11s. She says the iPhone 7 that you already have is perfectly fine. We're still having that discussion. Now, what I want to do for you right now is reveal to you some world-changing tech. It's going to be revealed to you right here on this stage right now. If you want to uh, get your smartphones out and record this for the world to know about, it would be a fantastic thing to post and share and uh, pass along to the rest of the world who you never see. Now, right under this blanket is this world-changing technology. And I, I just want to preface this and say to you that what I'm about to reveal to you has has just incredible implications for the way it can be used. And you are here because we are talking about this idea of rest for the stressed. And today we're going to focus on one particular area that may or may not be causing us an unusual amount of stress. We're the first generation wrestling with some of this new technology and we're, we're blazing a trail together about how to navigate our tech use and rest in it and not be stressed by it. So tonight as we talk about rest for the stressed, I want to encourage you to lean in, particularly if you are tech stressed. Now this new tech I want to introduce to you tonight, please don't be overwhelmed by it, please don't be stressed out by it, but be ready to be amazed. This technology, which is world changing, I would like to introduce to you tonight, the brick. The brick. Man, can you think about the world without the brick? This is an incredible piece of technology. Can you imagine what people will do with this new world-changing invention? You know, the first place that I know of in ancient documents where the brick comes up is the Bible. Specifically in the, verse, in the book of Genesis. And I want us to go there tonight. And wrestle with this idea and see how even people in Old Testament days handled brand new world-changing technology. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to look at this new tech called a brick for the very first time. It's introduced to the world. And they now have to deal with the impl- impl- uh, uh, the, all the things that are implied by this new brick. All right. Genesis chapter, one, uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plane in the land of Shinar. Not an airplane. They didn't have those yet. They were just figuring out bricks. But they were coming across a plane, a large flat piece of land. And they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and and butmen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed all over the face of the Of the whole earth. So when they figured out this brick thing, then they figured out that they could do more with it than just keep the door open. They decided that they could actually construct things, whole buildings, 
whole towers that can go higher than ever before. Entire cities that they could build walls that they would be able to protect themselves with. Now I want to tell you right now, this technology of the brick and the way that they were using the technology wasn't the problem. But there was a problem. There was some tech stress going on in this moment in time. And God was not pleased with how they were using tech. You see, God had given these specific people a command just a few verses ago. And the command that he gave them was to spread out through all the earth and to fill it. But when they got a hold of their new tech, they decided to do something that was exactly the opposite of what God has said. Instead of spreading and filling the earth, they decided to settle and become secure. And they went against God's plan in favor of their own. And this is God's reaction in verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have one language and, it's, and they're doing what they want to do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the entire earth. It was interesting that they went to use technology to do the opposite of what God had told them to do, and God figured out a way for them to still do what it is he wanted them to do. He made them scatter. He made them spread. Let's look back real quickly at what happened exactly in this moment and just point it out to ourselves. This is important to understand because we're going to talk about our technology in a second. They said, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And uh, they had the bricks for stone and they had the mortar. And then they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. They didn't just say a tall building. They wanted a building that would go into the heavens. And that has, that has some specific implica implications about them not wanting to follow God, but to be their own God. And they said, and let us make a name for ourselves. Not for our God, not to please our God, but for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed like we're supposed to be over the face of the earth. What they did with their technology, this brick, which is really a wonderful invention which provides us with a lot of wonderful things, is they took a brick and they turned it into an eye brick. They made it all about themselves. They made it a selfish technology. They made it a technology that pushed them away from God. They made it a technology that they would then be their own God. You see... They thought they could be all-powerful. They could build anything they wanted to build. They thought they could be all-knowing. We know what you say, God, but we're going to do what we say. And this was a problem since the beginning of the book of Genesis. God said, it's for me to know good and evil. And man said, no, I can figure it out for myself. And they repeatedly did the very thing God told them not to do in favor of what they thought was better. All-knowing, all-present all-powerful. Man, when we get our hands on technology, we tend to become our own God. And that's a problem. Here's the danger of technology. Technology becomes damaging when we depend on it rather than God to satisfy our own needs. When we depend on it rather than God to supply our own rest. And we depend on it rather than God to rule our souls. Tonight we're going to talk about tech stress. So I have another reveal for you. I want to show you uh, what is under this blanket and it's full of world changing, literally world changing technology that is still being understood and adapted and used by millions of people around the world even today. Look at all of this tech. Now for better or worse, all of this technology which is revolutionary, which is mind-blowing, right? They thought bricks were impressive. Look what we've got. 
We've got bricks that move and talk and speak and project and post. We've got some incredible stuff here. And for better or for worse, all of this technology comes from my house. This is my stuff. This is the stuff that we, there's four of us in our house and two of us are in elementary. And this is what we have. And this is what we deal with. And it seems like just when we get caught up and just when we find something that's incredible, something better comes out. Something more uh, powerful. Something with a better camera. Something with farther reach and faster Wi-Fi and more G's shows up. And I just can hardly keep up with it all. I get a little stressed just thinking about it. And I put a lot of investment and a lot of time and a lot of energy into this tech is anyone else here just looking at all this going, I'm stressed already? I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what to do with this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that I can carry my Bible around in my pocket all day, every day. I love that I can text my wife at any moment. I love that I can capture a picture and remember it for a long time. I love that we can be face-to-face with friends and family that are in other countries Jenny's family is from Michigan. Any night we want to, we can pull up any family member and have a face-to-face conversation over FaceTime. I can talk to my twin brother who lives in South America at a moment's notice. It's incredible what this technology can do. And technology in and of itself isn't isn't a problem, but there are problems that arise. We're supposed to be more connected, yet we are more disconnected. We're supposed to have more eye contact, but instead we have more screen contact. It's an expensive problem. It's a frustrating problem. And it's a problem that's forced on you. Even if you don't want to adopt the tech, your boss does and then makes you do it. So how do we deal with tech stress? What are we supposed to do and not do with all of this technology? And let me tell you right now that the Bible has an app for that. The answers for dealing with tech stress can be found right in God's word. Every problem you face, every challenge you have, the answers are found in the word of God. We're going to look at one of the most ancient texts to deal with one of the most modern problems. And it's a text that you probably know. It's a text you probably have memorized or you've heard somewhere along the way. And this text we're going to look at tonight is Psalm 23. So if you have your Bibles, jump with me to Psalm chapter 23. I'm going to read the entire psalm for you now. And then later as we go on with our talk, we'll have um, a little bit more time where we'll put the individual verses up on the screen. So if you don't have your Bible with you tonight, just listen along as I read and we'll come back to it. Psalm 23 simply says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, my shepherd, are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you pray with me? God, Heavenly Father, as we look at your word and we ask the question tonight, how do we rest in a stress-filled world? How do we rest in a tech-filled world? God, may your truth be very clear to each one of us in this evening. And for those in this room tonight that need rest, God, we pray that you would provide it even in these moments. And we thank you that we can be together to rest together in who you are. Teach us tonight. Lead us in a closer relationship with you tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Psalm 23 reveals to us kind of three threats that come with any, any kind of technology. And these threats exist But what Psalm 23 is going to point out to us is the way that we overcome these three threats. You know, if God is your shepherd, if God is the one that you look to as the sheep, the one that you follow, the one whose voice that you listen to, then you are able to be protected from these dangers in tech. 
And right off the bat, in Psalm 23, he starts off with, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You might be out there going, how do I become, uh, how do I get to the place where the Lord is my shepherd? And tonight as we talk, if you're here and you do not yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, simply trusting in Jesus as your Savior is a decision that you make, choosing to believe in Him. When you do that, when you make that decision, you become a follower of Jesus. In other words, He becomes your shepherd. And you follow after Him. When the Lord is your shepherd, some incredible things happen. Technology is overcoming the world and it's invading all of our lives at an extremely rapid pace. And there are some threats that are connected to technology. Let's look at the first threat that comes up with tech. The threat of addiction. The threat of addiction. And just a few years ago, wasn't that long ago, I had a couple of parents come up to me. And they came to ask me a favor. They said, Pastor Josh, we would like you to help our teenage son. He's failing. He was in about 11th grade, and he was getting ready to drop out of 11th grade. He wasn't uh, passing any of his classes. He wasn't turning in any of his homework. And he was a bright young man, someone that we had had a relationship with for a very long time. So I said, sure, I'd love to help your son. What, what, why is he failing? And then the parents began to explain to me and, and tell me a story of the like I had never heard, but it's a story that I've heard repeated now many times. They said something along the lines of, my son has become addicted to his screen. He's spending enormous amounts of time in front of a TV screen or in front of a computer screen, and he's playing games or he's interacting on social. And he's doing it so much that everything else in his life is starting to dissolve. And the first casualty of that was his grades in school. And I said to his parents, I'm, saying, I'm not sure if you need my help with this because it seems rather simple. If he's spending a lot of time in front of the screen, just turn it off. And they both just wagged their heads. We wish it was that easy. And building a relationship with that teenager and talking over these issues, we realized that he had become addicted. His body wanted something that he did not need. And that is the definition of addiction. When you want something, when you need something that you do not need, when your body pines after something that is actually not healthy, and you, you crave it and desire it with so much passion that you're willing to destroy the things around you to get it, you've become addicted. And in the years since, and not understanding it in the beginning of that discussion, but hearing it more and more and more, we now understand that the use of even just this simple technology can become addicting, just like any other drug. But when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. When God supplies everything that you need, you do not need to go to anything else to feel satisfied or complete. But you have the perfect shepherd following you and leading you. In 2008... We were given some stats about the average time an American spends online or in front of a screen. And in 2008, it was two, roughly two and a half hours, with the bulk of that time being spent on work computers. So for about two hours a day, we were on our laptops or our computers getting work done just 10 years ago. Now, as the decade has progressed, our time connected on the Internet has risen. And we've gone from an average of two and a half hours to almost six hours a day just on our screens. Now here's something that's interesting. Our computer time at work is about the same. If you look across the entire spectrum of the decade, it's roughly two hours that we're on the internet because we are on the computer. What's changed? What's happened that's different now than a decade ago? Smartphones. Smartphones have completely changed our world, including the amount of time that we spend on the internet. This green represents the amount of times we access the internet through our smartphones alone. And it has raised from roughly 30 minutes to over three hours a day for the average American. If you use anything for six hours a day every day, it's not hard to see how addiction can accompany that habit. 
We use our tech for one primary reason, and that's escape. In any moment, I can escape to any place in this world. I can escape to any conversation. I can escape to any story. I can leave my present reality, and I can enter into a virtual reality. And what has happened in our escape mentality through technology is we have adopted an addiction to escape. Today, escape is our primary drug of choice. David Kinman is one of the lead researchers at the Barner Group, and they're the ones tracking a lot of this tech use and a tech among kids and tech among adults. And his conclusion is simply this statement, escape has become our primary drug of choice. How much time do we spend watching things on Netflix and on Hulu and on Amazon Prime? How many videos do we watch on our phones or on YouTube? How long do we spend scrolling through social media day in and day out? And why do we do these things so much? Why is it the first thing we do when we get up out of bed? Why is it the last thing we do when we go to bed at night? Why do we have trouble putting these things away to have basic conversations and establish basic eye contact? Why have I already checked my text messages and my social media feed three times during this service? The sheer hours that we spend streaming television, playing games, escaping the reality of our lives is the way that we drown out the pain. The way that we drown out the pain. Now here's the problem with any addiction. This is not the way to cope with pain. This is not the way to cope with pain. This is not the way to deal with reality. This is an unhealthy habit that actually brings more damage into our lives, more pain into our lives than the very pain we're trying to escape. And technology does not have to be the thing that we run to to cope, but it has become another option. In a world where it used to be alcohol, drugs, gambling, and pornography, now we are running to just escapism. So the threat of addiction is very real. And let me tell you today that the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, a relationship with God is the most, most powerful tool that you have to fight addiction. So reach to him and avoid this danger. The second threat that comes up is the threat of distraction. If you're following Jesus as your shepherd, it says, like a sheep follows their shepherd, he leads me to lie down in green pastures. Can you just picture with me that moment on the sound of music where Maria is on top of the Alp and it's green and she's running around and she puts her arms out and she's spinning and don't you just want to get up there and lay down in the grass and just go, this is so beautiful. I'm just at peace in this moment in time. If you want that kind of peace, if you want that kind of reality, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you that peace. He is the one that enables you to lie down and to bring your soul into a connection of peace in green pastures. But there's the threat of distraction. Have you ever witnessed different generations at dinner? If you've ever taken a friend out to Olive Garden or something like that and you're there having a conversation, I want to challenge you to try to find two tables. First, find a table with a couple that is significantly older than you and then find a table with a couple that's significantly younger than you and just watch. We have an incredible different generational uh, dinner time habit. And the older generation will tend to have conversation where they make this incredible thing called eye contact. And they start looking at each other's eyes, eyeball to eyeball. And they're able to read and inflect and laugh and giggle, right? And they just enjoy their time together because they are together, really together in that moment in time. But then you tend to find younger generations and they look and they're having trouble with this thing called eye contact. Because there's something that is constantly vying for the distraction. And usually it's sitting right on the table near them, often screen up. And a notification or a ding or a text comes through and they start grabbing this thing. Or maybe they were having a conversation and one had to go up for a second. And now you're there with 30 seconds and you don't know what to do. And so you grab your phone and you start looking at it. And we are constantly at threat of distraction. Instead of being present in the here and now, instead of being connected with the person that we are actually face to face with, we are distracted and become with connected with people that are nowhere in our reality. This is what happens in an internet minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, an internet minute. 
This is what happens in one minute on the internet. 2.1 million snaps. 4.16 million Facebook messages. 4.8 million gifts are sent. People spend roughly $1 million online. This is just in one minute on the internet. 694,444,000 ,000, hours are watched on next Netflix. 3.8 million Google searches. Anybody stressed out yet? 18.1 million text messages. 4.5 million videos are watched alone on YouTube in one minute. There's 347 100,000 scrolls on Instagram, 80, almost 90,000 tweets, and 188 million emails are sent in one minute. No wonder we're distracted. And we get distracted by unimportant things when we're trying to focus on the important things. Don't let distraction take you away from the important things. Don't let distraction hurt your marriage or your relationship with your children. Don't let distraction get you away from having better grades or being involved in a sport. Don't let distraction hurt your relationship with God. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And the third threat is the threat of destruction. He leads me beside still waters. You know, one of the dangers with sheep is when sheep are thirsty, they will drink out of the nearest water source they can find. Sheep are not incredibly smart animals, and I'm not sure if God meant that in this metaphor for us or not. But a sheep will go, and if they go to a place to drink where the waters are rushing, and they lean over and they'll start to drink, and their wool will start to soak up the water around them, they will get carried away by that rushing water. It's not safe. It's not safe to take sheep near rough rushing water. So the shepherd purposely takes them to still water where they can become refreshed and where they can drink in safety. When the Lord is your shepherd, he is your protector and he is your safety, protecting you from the threat of destruction. Just 10 years ago, I've, I've spent the last 20 years working with teenagers, involved in counseling with adults, and it's been one of the one of my joys in life to be able to have regular conversation with people that are hurting and to see how God heals them in these moments in time. And, and 10, 15, 20 years ago, we didn't talk too much about anxiety. 10, 15, 20 years ago, we sometimes talked about depression. And, and we occasionally addressed suicide. But in the course of my lifetime and my professional career, those occasional conversations have become the main conversations we have in the spiritual arena with helping people. Anxiety, depression, suicide, and connected behaviors are all on a dramatic rise throughout our country and our nation and our world. It was almost unheard of to have to deal with a teenager who was dealing with anxious thoughts, but now anxiety is the number one issue that you face in schools with teens. And what do you got to be anxious about when you're a teenager? I mean, that's when life is good. I don't have the bills to pay. You know, I, I don't have the worries and concerns. Just wait till we grow up. But teenagers are more anxious today than they have ever been. And it's not just teenagers that are dealing with higher rates of suicide. It's police officers. It's military men. It's people in the medical profession. Uh, profession. It's all across the board that these things are on a rise. And the one common factor that we can point to, and that those who are much smarter than me point to, is stress from technology. Look at this interesting fact that came from NPR. Teens who spend five or more hours per day on their devices are 71% more likely to have one major risk factor for suicide. The amount of screen time, not the content, goes hand in hand with higher instances of depression anxiety, and suicide. Now, my first question then was, what's the average amount of time that teenagers today are spending on their screens? This came from the CDC website, Center of Disease Control, from the United States government. Children who are ages 8 to 10 today spend approximately six hours on devices. 
in front of screens using entertainment media, nearly four of those are spent on television alone. Youth ages 11 through 14 spend roughly nine hours a day on screens, five of those on television alone. These are averages. Teenagers in high school, 15 to 18 years old, spend an average of seven and a half hours a day in front of screens and using entertainment media. Nearly four and a half of those are spent in front of television. How many hours a day did it take to raise the risk factor for anxiety, depression, and suicide? Do you remember? Five. Five. Starting at the age of eight, the average young person in America is already over five hours a day. No wonder, no wonder we're dealing with higher rates of anxiety. No wonder this danger is becoming a reality of destruction. So what do we do about it? Where do we go from here? And we don't have enough time to talk about all the solutions. I'm going to give you a couple of kind of teasers, and hopefully you'll be able to take this a little farther. But we're going to start with some common sense. We just want to give some common sense answers. You ready for this? Ready? Buckle your seatbelt. This is going to blow your mind. This is common sense, right? If you need rest from tech, then you must disconnect. Do we need to say this together? It's got a little cadence to it. If you need rest from tech, then you must what? Disconnect. It's kind of a no-brainer. It's kind of common sense. What's the solution to too much screen time? Less screen time. And I just remember those two parents shaking their head and going like this, Josh, if it was only that easy. If it was only that easy. Now, we understand and we acknowledge that the presence of all of this technology in our lives is drawing us and attracting us. The goal of every website, of every online store, of every social media uh, page, the goal of every online video game, the goal of every app on your phone is to get you to spend more time on that screen. That is their goal. And so they are very, very, very good at it, getting you to spend more time on your screen. You have to be intentional to make this sense common. And until you start taking deliberate steps to lessen your screen time and the screen time of those in your family, you will be unsuccessful. It will draw you in. Again, I am not against tech. I own this stuff and enjoy it. But we have to be cautious. So here's some common sense steps that you can take. Number one, designate screen-free time and screen-free space. It's super important that in your home and in your schedule, there is screen-free time built in. Family dinner should be screen-free. P.S., you should have family dinner. And you should get around the table and put the screens away and work on eye contact and talk to each other about their day or their favorite app or where they're at in the video game, right? And have those conversations tech-free. Your bedrooms should be tech-free zones. Let me say it again, especially if you're a parent and you have kids. Your bedrooms should be tech-free zones, especially, especially overnight. Take that one step and you will dra- dramatically decrease your screen time and increase your sleep time. And remember, last week we needed more sleep. Your date night with your spouse, with your girlfriend, should be screen-free time. Overnight should be tech-free time. And there should be vacations where you say to your entire family, guys, all of us, no tech. I want to encourage you, if technology is an issue for you, if it's something that you challenge, you're challenged with, to put yourself on a tech fast. Maybe it's social media, fast it. Maybe it's uh, uh, online gaming, fast, which means I'm going to give it up for a period of time. I'm going to be away from it intentionally, and you'll see some awesome things happen. There's a reason why going to summer camp and going on missions trips is incredibly powerful in our lives today. It's because it frees us from tech, even from a short time. I am not too old to remember days where we didn't have things like screens and apps. And it was okay. We survived. You can too. Number two, and this is extremely practical, and I want to I just submit to you, this is incredible advice. Please follow it. Turn off your notifications. 
Again, they are designed to get you to look at your screen. And you look at your screen an average 150 times a day. And the thing that does it is the little ding or the noise or the buzz or the little red badge next to you've got a message that will get you to do it. And it will distract you. Turn them all off. Only go to those pages. Only go to those apps when it's scheduled, when it's a part of your timing to go to them. Don't make the apps tell you when to go to you. Number, uh, turn, what if it's an emergency? What if it's a, they'll find you. There's technology everywhere. Number three, make priorities and protect them. What should be the most important things that you need to get done in a day? Think about that and get those things done first. Your time with God is so valuable and so precious and is the source of rest, but it's so easily pushed out. Your time exercising, time doing homework, kids, doing chores, sorry, kids, family time and eye contact time. Make those things important. And number four, set limits and then enforce them. There should be a screen time limit in your house. And it should be something that you enforce. Whether it's an hour a day or two hours or a half hour, that's for you to decide. I recommend it be under five. And have some serious conversations about when we allow ourselves on screen time and when we're just screen time free. But not just in the day. What about days where you don't have screen time? Maybe you don't do it at school nights and you do it on the weekend. Good discussions to have. Enforce limits on social media. Who should have social media accounts? How old should they be? Which ones are good? Which ones are bad? Where do my passwords go? What should our gaming be allowed? It should be connected to the amount of screen time, not in addition to what kind of games, et cetera, et cetera. I am just scratching the surface on some common sense advice. So what I want to do for you tonight is offer you something that we've never done. We're going to leverage technology and continue this conversation tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we're going to be on Facebook Live at two times, once at 7.30 and once at 9.30. And I'm just going to answer questions that you may have about tech, about tech use, about parenting with technology. I'm going to introduce to you a lot of resources. I'm going to show you apps. I'm going to show you things you can do with your uh, home networks. I'm going to give you articles. I'm going to point you to blogs. I'm going to give you some books that you can uh, learn from. If you want to be a part of that conversation, just show up live at either one of those times. If you have a question right now, please write your question on your next step card. Write that question for us, and then I will have an answer to that question, Lord willing, tomorrow night when we get together on Facebook Live. So please go ahead and write your questions about Tech Down, and then join us uh, tomorrow if you're able to and have this conversation over FaceTime. Here's the second common sense advice. Parents, we must lead by example. Remember that drug commercial where the dad came into the bedroom and said, son, where did you learn to do drugs? And he turned around and said, dad, I learned it by watching you. Kids, why are you on your screens all the time? Dad, you're on your screen all the time. We have to lead by example. We have to set these limits for ourselves. We have to be present in our homes, at our workplaces, and we have to be the ones that handle technology correctly first before we expect those who follow us to. Set, lastly, I want to give you some Bible sense. I want to encourage you with what the Bible talks about with this stuff. And remember, we're looking at Psalm 23. And look at this and pay attention to the highlights. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 23 does something that is so important in the area of rest. It points us to him. It points us to our shepherd. It points us to God. Your relationship with God and the Lord Jesus Christ is essential in resting when you are stressed from tech, when you are stressed from life, when you are stressed from stress. Last week we said this, no single practice brings us more rest than listening at the feet of Jesus. And let me remind you of the three dangers that we have in tech, addiction, distraction, and destruction. All of those things seek to stop us from listening at the feet of Jesus. 
but we must. In the book, Crazy Busy, Kevin says, this is the best advice I know. Devote yourself to the word of God and to prayer. And this means public worship and private worship. Guard our public worship time. Be a part of the church of God because that is where true rest is found. In a church that's following Jesus, that believes in the gospel and the word of God, you will find rest because that is where you connect with Jesus. Just today, a good friend of mine from high school posted this on Facebook, and I want to read it for you because I think it's challenging in the arena of church. She says this, church is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the preacher's family under the microscope of the entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together, but doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to service. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands. Church is hard for the widow and the widower with no invitation to lunch or dinner after service. Church is hard for the deacon with an estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing the worship songs, yet overwhelmed by the weight of its lyrics. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role as a leader. Church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard for the nursery volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love of her own. Church is hard for the single woman and the single man praying God brings them a mate. And church is hard for the teenage girl wearing the scarlet letter, ashamed of her mistake. Church is hard for the sinner. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside, it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best in behavior and in dress. However, underneath those layers, you find a body of imperfect people, carnal souls, selfish motives. But here is the beauty of church. Church isn't a building, a mentality, or an expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by eternal love. Church is the holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. And church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a covering of of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a, is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body, and the circle of sinners turned into saints is where he resides and where he asks his faithful to be. So even on the hard days at church, the days when I'm at odds with a friend, when I've walked in bearing burdens heavier than my heart can handle, yet masking that pain with a smile on my face, when I've worn the pressure of the world under, been under a microscope, when I've longed for a baby to hold or fought tears as the lyrics were sung, Sung, when I've walked back in afraid and broken after walking away, I remember he has never failed to meet me there. You need the church. The church needs you. It's where we meet Jesus and we rest in public worship with and for one another. If you are not a part of a church, I want to invite you today to branch life. Become a part of this family. We want to welcome you home and walk with you through life together. And we follow the shepherd who leads us beside to still waters and into green pastures. And in your personal walk with God, I want to encourage you to say, I am going to spend time with God. There's no significant, more powerful weapon against discouragement and against stress than, than prayer. And give your time over to God and say, God, I want to connect with you all day, every day. Be connected through this powerful tool called prayer. And I'm going to give you all of my burdens. I'm going to cast them on you. But here's a really interesting statement by a pastor named John Piper. He said, one of the greatest 
uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove that in the last day, prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. If we've got five and a half hours a day to be on a screen, we've got time to pray. Amen? So let's spend a little bit more time in prayer and a little bit less time on screens. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're going to find the pressure point of tech stress is going to come in those moments of life when you are faced with overwhelming pain. You are going to find that if you have adopted a behavior, an addiction, a distraction, a destruction, it will show itself in the moment where you need to be the strongest. And a lot of us, as we travel through the valley of the shadow of death, as we travel through life's twists and turns, in our spirit rises this idea of anxiety, of discouragement, and even the thought of ending it all. But when the Lord is your shepherd, you do not have to fear. Because he is with you. And he is the one who comforts you. Not this. When our greatest concern is walking with Jesus, all other concerns vanish. When our greatest concern is walking with Jesus, even through the valley of the shadow of death, all other concerns vanish. Now I want to tell you, standing up here today, that pastors don't even have all this figured out. Life can become as overwhelming for a pastor as it can for anyone else. Anyone working on walking with God, anyone interested in a relationship with God, anyone who has rejected God, we all face these struggles. We all face these challenges. And just this past week, a well-known pastor that serves in a church up towards New York City took his own life. A mega church, thriving, reaching people for Jesus. He's leading worship in every week. He was even an advocate for those that had discouragement and suicidal thoughts that were dealing with depression. I stand before you here now to say, listen, there are clinical reasons, there are medical reasons that people fall into anxiety, fall into de depression, and fall into suicide. That is very, very real. And if that's something that you are struggling with, I want to encourage you to have a conversation with us, with somebody you know, with somebody you trust, and seek out the help that you need to battle that. But situational anxiety and discouragement is not a necessary part of any Christian's life because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Find your rest and your peace and your hope in him. If you're here like the pastor friend of mine and you're struggling with this and you don't know who to talk to, this is also Suicide Prevention Week. And this is a number that you can call and have a conversation with somebody that will just give you some great encouragement in battling suicidal thoughts. I want to ask you in the moments ahead to consider your next step card. If you have a question for us about tech, if you have something that you are uh, wrestling with, please write it down on that card. And I want to invite you to respond in these moments in time. If you're here today and you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus. Like Torah and Delaney talked about their salvation experiences, it's simply a decision that you make to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to become a follower of Jesus. And today, if stress is, is, is hurting you and distracting you, a relationship with Jesus is the place to go. And I know that there are some of you in here that have been wondering and thinking about making a profession of faith thinking about following Jesus and you still have questions and you still have concerns and you're still wrestling with this, I just want to say to you right here, right now, Jesus loves you. He loves you and he is calling you to a relationship with him. Do not wait to enter into that relationship. He will guide you if you let him. He will answer your questions if you enter into a relationship with him. So tonight, I am inviting you to answer the call and to give your heart to Jesus and become a follower of him.
And in just a moment, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And it's not the words, it's the faith that saves you. And if you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, but you want to make sure, simply pray that prayer when we get to it. And if you're here today and you're struggling with anxiety, discouragement, stress, you need wisdom on tech, we would love to pray with that for you. Answer this question, how will you rest from tech stress? What's one small thing you can do to help yourself rest from tech stress? Let's pray together. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the world that we live in. We thank you for the age that we are a part of. We thank you for the time that we get to be representatives of Jesus. We thank you for all this technology and the incredible things that it does for us and how your name is able to be spread all across the world. And we've taken full advantage of technology tonight in so many different ways. But God, we also pray that you would protect us from the tech stress that accompanies this technology. Help us, God, to have wisdom in guiding everything that we do through our relationship with you. Lord, help us to follow you first and to make you our shepherd. God, help us to be more concerned with our walk with you than anything else. And God, we pray that you would relieve and give rest to anyone here who is struggling with this kind of stress. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you'd like to have a personal relationship with Jesus and you're not wondering how to do that, I'm going to lead you in just a, a prayer that you don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray quietly. But you can accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life in this moment, in this time. And it's simply a prayer that says this, Dear Jesus, talk to him. I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you came to this earth and you died on the cross for my sin. And that you as God's son, rose again from the dead. I believe. I believe and I want to ask you to come into my life and to save me. I want to follow you and trust you with everything that I am, with everything that I will be. I want to become your child. Tonight, if you prayed that prayer, you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. You have just become a sheep that follows the shepherd. You've become a part of the family of God. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to welcome it, welcome you into the family. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to make you do anything else. But if you prayed that prayer tonight, Josh, I, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but tonight I made sure. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here that prayed that prayer tonight? Just raise it real high that we can see it. You don't have to raise your hand up, but if you have your card. We'd love to know that you have uh, prayed that tonight. Let us know on your card before you turn it in. And if you're here tonight and, and uh, you want to follow Jesus in baptism, you can also put that on your card. If you have any more questions after the service, we're going to have a couple of our prayer team members up here and they'll pray with you. If you're here tonight and you're wrestling with anxiety, discouragement, suicidal thoughts, our prayer team members would love to pray with you tonight. Just take you before the shepherd. Talk to, talk to God on your behalf. And they'll just sit with you here in the front row and just pray over you. And we'd love to invite you to do that after the service is over. God, we thank you again for this time. And, and God, we ask that you move in a mighty and powerful way in our lives through this week. Thank you for being present with us everywhere we are. In your precious name we pray.